In the last several years, there has been a rash of books written by people who supposedly died and came back again. And when they died, there's a common theme between all of them that they all saw light. Some of them said that they saw somebody who is reputedly to be Jesus. But then when you listen to what they say this supposedly Jesus said to them is contrary to everything that he did and said and taught throughout his earthly life. Hundreds of eyewitnesses have heard him say, teach, and do things that runs contrary to what these folks who supposedly have died and came back to tell us. For example, Jesus said, I am the only way to heaven. No one can come to the Father but by me. But some of them say that this person that they saw, they think is Jesus, said to them, no, 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 that's not really important. All the ways lead to me. Sounds like Satan to me, don't you? But this to say nothing about this incredible number of so-called channelers that are spreading all over the television screens, and they supposedly can contact the dead. And and, uh, when these channelers contact the dead, they always tell the loved ones here on earth, oh, they are in a wonderful place. Every one of them, they're all in a great place, in every case. For the uninformed and the unsuspecting, this may be comforting. And from the human point of view, I understand it. I really do, from the human point of view. But (laughs) when it comes to life after death, when it comes to the other side of the curtain of eternity, when it comes to what happens after we die, you have to decide whom you're going to believe. Are you going to believe the creator of the universe, the one who placed all of the galaxies in their orbits, the one who died for you, the one who redeemed your soul and rose again from the dead after three days, not three minutes, or someone who's trying to make a few bucks selling a book or getting their 15 minutes of fame? You have to make that decision. Who are you going to believe? Jesus was there before the creation of the earth. And Jesus pulls the curtain to let us know what happens after we die. He shows us exactly what takes place immediately as soon as we close our eyes in death. Luke chapter 16, here Jesus tells us about two people, two real people. They both have died. They did not both go to the same place. They went to two different places. One went to a place of agony and torment. The other went to a place of unspeakable joy. But that's not all. Jesus is telling us that after death, it is impossible to switch places. After death, it is impossible to go from one destination to the other. After death, it is too late. And therefore, the time to decide where you're going to spend your eternity is now. 
The time you decide where you're going to be a hundred years from now is today. The time to plan your eternal future is now. And that is why the Scripture is very urgent and pleading with people today. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart because there's such a thing as it's too late. Why? Because once we cross over the other side, that's it. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what Jesus said. And He tells us about these two real people, one who lived for self and the other one did not. The one who lived for self He cared for no one else but himself. He pleased no one else but self. He served his own desires and his whims. He was filled with his own opinions. He refused to hear the truth. He thought that he could save himself, and he ended up spending eternity in hell. The other one named Lazarus, a common name at that time in Israel, Lazarus dies. But during his life, he put his faith in God. He placed his whole trust in God. He fixed his hope on God. He sought to please God. And when he died, the Bible said the angels carried him. Now, in the Old Testament, you have to understand, before the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, before he defeated death in the grave, the Old Testament taught that everyone who dies go to two different places— two regions of the same place. The Bible calls that Hades. I'm going to explain that to the minute. Those who were believers, that's Old Testament believers, the Jewish believers, they went to what the Jews would call the bosom of Abraham. Some of the modern translation took that word bosom out, but that's really a literal translation. They went to the bosom of Abraham. Why Abraham? Because Abraham is the father of faith, He is the father of everyone in the Old Testament who put their faith in God. They were saved by faith, not by law. As a matter of fact, Abraham lived 400 years before the law was given. And so he believed God by faith, and therefore everyone who trusted God by faith ended up in this place we call the bosom of Abraham or paradise. And that is why Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced, and they got mad at him. They want to kill him. He said, how can you, 30 years old, tell me that Abraham saw your day 2,000 years earlier and rejoiced? They did not know that this Messiah is the one who created the world, that this Messiah is the one through whom the world was created, that he was there before Abraham. So those who put their faith in God, how did they do this? They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. 2,000 years before Christ, Abraham believed that God is sending his son Jesus the Messiah. And everyone from Abraham's time on among God's people who believed that, they ended up in a place called paradise or the bosom of Abraham. The Jews and the others who refused to believe by faith, they ended up in that dark place. But there's something very important here I don't want you to miss. Please don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because some people, when they read this passage, they think that the reason this rich man ended up in hell because he was rich. That is not the emphasis of the text here. The emphasis that Jesus was placing is on the fact that the man lived for self. 
That's the difference. The Bible never condemns wealth. The Bible condemns the wrong use of wealth. Abraham, for example, was probably the richest man at that time on the earth, but he did not worship his money. He lived by faith. He put the hope in Yahweh. He knew that Yahweh was going to send his son, the Messiah, and he anchored his hope on that. And that is why in the Old Testament, paradise is described, as I said, as the bosom of Abraham, because Abraham is the man who believed God before the law of Moses came. Every time I think about this, I think of the sweet old lady who was dying and going to heaven, and because she loved Jesus all her life, because she trusted Him with, as her Savior, because she served Him all her life, uh, she couldn't wait to get to heaven. And so the pastor comes in and visits her one day, and she said to him, Pastor, I can't wait. I'm going to die, but immediately I'm going to be in the bosom of Moses. Well, the pastor, you know, wanted to correct her, and he wanted to be gentle about it. And he said to her, he said, "Um, Dear, it is not the bosom of Moses, it's the bosom of Abraham. She said, Pastor, at my age, it doesn't matter whose bosom it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure some of you are asking, what is this Hades that the Bible talks about? Hades is a place where people went to prior to the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the apostle Peter in his epistle tells us that when Jesus died on that cross and then he was buried in the tomb, he really went to Hades, and there he declared his lordship over the dead, and he took those believers who were waiting for him straight into heaven with him. But Hades, according to the Old Testament, is divided into two regions— There is a gap between them. There is a chasm between them. One called, as I said, the bosom of Abraham. The other one is the place of torment and suffering. Please don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Your eternity could be hanging on it. Both men were conscious after death. Both men, the believer and the non-believer, they both were conscious they both had memories of their earthly life. They both were able to speak. One was experiencing great joy, and the other one was experiencing torment. Verse 24 of Luke 16, the non-believer said to Abraham from the other side of the chasm, Father Abraham, Have pity on me and send Lazarus. Lazarus? The one that you ignored him all your life? The one you had no time for? The one you despised and lived for self? Yes. Have him dip his finger in water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Beloved, the Bible teaches that after death, the believer is going to receive a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, we will be closed by resurrected bodies. The book of Revelation, where John was given the privilege to go into the very portals of heaven, he saw real people, real people in resurrected, glorified body. The bottom line that Jesus wants every one of us to know is telling us about these two people 
The reason he's telling us about them is he wants us to know that there are only two places, no third. And that those two places stand in contrast of one another. These two places are opposites each other. And the question is, everyone must be asking, where will I spend eternity? Don't ever rest until you answer the question. The question is, where will I spend my forever? Where I'll be a hundred years from now? Which of the two places am I going to go to? Where am I going to end up when I close my eyes in death? No, you don't have to be vague about it. You don't have to be uncertain about it. You can be absolutely sure now because you have God's Word on us. If you're not sure today, you can be. Where will you spend eternity? The place of unending condemnation or the place of joy unspeakable? Listen, I have dedicated my life to tell people the truth about Jesus. Not about a denomination, but about Jesus. For no one can take you to heaven except Jesus. He's the only one who can take you to heaven. None and no one and nothing can take you to heaven except Jesus. No amount of good work will ever get you there. No amount of wishful thinking will get you there. No amount of religious activities will get you there. No amount of goodwill will get you there. Only Jesus the Christ who can take you from one side of eternity to the other. Now I'm inviting you to come to Him and be rescued. Come to Him and be saved. Come to Him and be assured of eternal life in heaven with Him. That is the very core of the Christian faith. Will you respond? Will you respond? The other alternative, spending eternity forever in regret and self-beating like this man. He did not want to place his faith in God alone, and therefore he was not only mentally, emotionally, and physically in agony. He was worried sick about his family that he left behind on the earth. That was even more painful than what he was experiencing. He was in agony over what happens to his beloved family that he left behind. Obviously, his family were as godless as he was. And so, in the midst of his pain, he comes to the realization, I don't want him to come here. I don't want him to experience what I'm experiencing. After a few seconds in hell, he wanted someone to tell his family the truth. By contrast, when the believer dies, he goes immediately to the presence of Jesus, a place where there's no pain, no suffering, no regret, no torment, no condemnation, and there are no tears, only rejoicing and praising, and worshiping, and adoring the Son of God who made it possible for them to be there in heaven. Why? Because, beloved, listen to me. Please listen to me. There is no waiting place. There is no place where you can change destination after you die. There is no soul sleep. There is no purgatory. 
None of that is in the Scripture. There's no second chance. And that is why the Bible urges everyone who have never committed their life to Jesus Christ, never received the gift of salvation, eternal life, come now while you can. You say, Michael, how do you know that? How do you know that it's a checking out and a checking in immediately? No change of destination. I'll tell you exactly how I know from what God said. Not what I think, what God said. Jesus, hanging on the cross, and the maid dying next to him, repents of his sins, and Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Immediately, when you close your eyes in death, you're going to be with me. Not only that, the book of Acts tells us hundreds of people watching as Stephen, one of the deacons of the first church, was being stoned to death. And all these people watching as he began to die from the stoning, and he looks up to heaven, and he says, I see Jesus standing to receive me. But not only that, Philippians 1.23 tells us that to depart this life is a presence with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us absence from the body is presence with the Lord in heaven. And Jesus tells us that this self-centered man, this man who tried to save himself, was able to talk. And he called out to Abraham. On the other side of the divide, he was able to feel his tongue, as it were, on fire. And he was able to hear Abraham speak back to him. And Jesus is saying to you and to me and to everyone who would listen, Jesus is saying this, every one of us will live forever. Every person who's alive today will live forever. The believers will experience joy while the non-believers will experience sorrow. The believers will experience rest, while the non-believer will be experiencing ongoing pain and suffering. The believers will experience fellowship, while the non-believers will be in a place of utter loneliness. The believers will experience deeper love, but the non-believers will be experiencing deeper hate. The believers will be experiencing comfort, while the others will be experiencing agony. The believers will be experiencing glory, while the non-believers will be experiencing shame. The believers will be experiencing honor, while the non-believers will be experiencing guilt. But just in case someone here hasn't got it yet, let me put it to you, which summarizes the entire Bible. Here's what Jesus is saying. I left the glories of heaven, came to earth, so that I might take to heaven with me everyone who put their faith in me. I laid down my glorified body and came to earth so that I might give everyone who put their trust in me, who received me as Savior and Lord, a glorified body. I am God of very God, but became man, so that I might give all my children divine nature. I am perfect and sinless, but came to take your sin and your punishment over my body, my sinless and holy body. I paid it all. I paid it all. All you need to do is to come and receive. Will you come to Him today? Will you come to Him today? But there's something else here that is very important. I don't want you to miss it. 
this man who lived for self, he had no time for God, no time for others, only for self. When he ended up in hell, never one time would you hear him say, that's not fair. Why has this happened to me? No, no. He becomes so self-aware on the other side of eternity that he knew he received his just and fair judgment. He knew that he received the consequences of rejecting God's hand of salvation. He never blamed God, never blamed others. Not one time did he find it there. But he becomes worried sick over his family. So what does this man do? He pleads with Abraham. He pleads with him. He said, if Lazarus would rise from the dead and preach the truth to my family, they will repent and they will believe and they will not come to this place. Please, please, my friend, don't miss Abraham's answer. He said, even if someone rise from the dead, they will not believe. What does he mean by that? When he's saying Moses is a prophet, he's what he's saying. He said, if they're not going to believe the Bible, if they're not going to believe God's Word, even if Lazarus rises from the dead, they're not going to believe. If people don't believe the resurrected Jesus, if people refuse to put their faith in the resurrected Jesus, if people ignore the invitation of the resurrected Jesus, they might get mesmerized by miracles and supernatural, but they will not repent. What about you? What about you? Are you ready to believe the words of the resurrected Jesus? Are you ready to accept His invitation? Are you ready to come to Him and say, I've come to the end of myself. I cannot save myself. I come to you seeking your forgiveness. Listen to what Jesus said. When somebody does that, somebody says that, the promise of Jesus, they'll never reject you. Never, 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 never reject you. In fact, He said, those whom the Father has given me, I lose none. You are in the grasp of His hand from that moment on. My friend, there is going to be a time, there is such a time as too late. Now, it is not too late, but then it will be. Abraham said, there's deeper divide between us. There's a chasm between us. He said, we can't go to you and you can't come to us. It's a huge chasm. There is no turning back now. There's no crossing over when it's over. And that is why the time is now. The opportunity is today. Don't put it off. Every time I think of the words of Abraham about the chasm and how nobody can cross once we close our eyes in death. And think of a story a German friend of mine told me years ago and said uh, that in the black forest of Germany, there is a place called Hell's Valley. At its narrowest is basically two crags. And they're about nine meters or 30 feet apart. In fact, between those two crags is a deep, deep valley. At the narrowest part of that gorge is called Deep Leap. 
Because through the years, when the hunters would go after a deer, and the deer comes to the edge of that crag, and what would escape the hunter? The deer would go with all energy that the deer could muster and try to jump to the other side, to the other crag. In utter desperation, the deer tried to attempt to jump across the chasm. But of course, the deer could never jump 30 feet and ends up body dashed into the deep ravine. I can't help think of that story every time I read the words of Abraham. But here's what you need to know. I'm about to close, so don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Every one of us, yours truly, every one of us, born with a deep chasm between us and heaven. Being religious cannot bridge that chasm. Being nice cannot bridge that chasm. Being politically correct cannot bridge that chasm. Doing some good things cannot bridge that chasm. Only Jesus can carry you across that deep divide. And He's stretching His loving arms to everyone today saying, come to me. I love you. I died for you. Will you hold His hand? Say, Lord, forgive me. You died for me. Forgive my sins. I accept your invitation. Save me, Lord. And He'll do exactly that because He promised it. Father, we are so privileged, so honored to be able to come to you to pray for those who need salvation. Give it to them in abundance because that's your promise. For those who need restoration, restore them. For those, Father, who need to be challenged afresh about the reality of hell, challenge us that we would love people enough to tell them the truth. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for answering our prayers because we pray them in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.